Hello, and welcome to the Scriptures Are Real podcast. This is the podcast where we talk about elements of the scriptures that have helped them become real to us because we believe that we can draw more power out of them that way, and we need all the help we can get. I'm your host, Kerry Mielstein, and I'm really excited to have uh, with us today uh, Jasmine Rapoli. Uh, I'll introduce her in just a second, but first of all, let's take care of a little bit of business. So first of all, we just want to tell you that this episode is brought to you by Launchpad Consulting Studio. Uh, You may have noticed that in the last while, I've had a lot more reaching out on social media, all sorts of social media platforms uh, with little shorts and things like that that have really been boosting uh, our uh, visibility and our brand. And uh, it's been fantastic. And this has all been done by uh, the really talented folks at Launchpad Consulting Studio. Uh, they're they're not like just a sponsor. They're a secret weapon to, for brand success. They they help you with brand management, and digital media, and social media advertising. And they're all about giving your business the the lift that it needs and deserves. I've seen them do things for uh, other companies as well, and and uh, just I'm I'm impressed with what they're doing. So you can uh, have a dedicated expert that's ready to launch your brand. If you want to really skyrocket your brand, then. Connect with Launchpad Consulting Studio today by dropping them an email at Launchpad Consulting Studio. So that's Launchpad Consulting Studio at gmail.com. We'll put that uh, down in the notes as well. If you just scroll down a little bit, you'll see it. Uh, your brand's uh, success is really just an email away. So drop an email to Launchpad Consulting Studio at gmail.com. All right. Well, Jasmine, thank you so much for being with us today. Thanks um, for having me. This is really exciting. Yeah, it's, it's my really. I'm I'm excited. Uh, let me tell the audience just a little bit about you, and then uh, about what you're doing. Then you can tell us more about uh, who you are, and and we'll get going. So, uh, Jasmine, I don't even know where you're from originally, so we'll ask you to tell us that. But she lives in Utah now. She uh, got her degree at BYU in Near Eastern Studies. But for, I think, like about eight years, something like that, you've been with what was Book of Mormon Central is now Scripture Central. Uh, and I think you're the director of content and marketing and like uh, about everything else uh, there. You've got a, a little crew that you kind of run and uh, just help Book of Mormon or uh, sorry, Scripture Central put out all the great uh, content that it does. So uh, tell me, tell us all more about you and and what I got wrong and what else we should have said. Oh, you definitely did your research. So, yeah, I grew up on the East Coast. I came out to BYU and studied ancient Near Eastern studies. Um, it's been about eight years now that I've been working with Scripture Central. In 2015, Book of Mormon Central started as this just small little nonprofit wanting to explain the scriptures better, specifically the Book of Mormon. And since then, we've grown quite a bit. And now we cover all of the standard works and even more stuff. And I am currently the director of communications. So I I'm overseeing all of our marketing efforts and stuff like that. Um, I started out mostly as a a web developer and web designer for them at the very, very beginning. But because we were just a small nonprofit, lots of us wear lots of different hats. And so I've gotten shuffled around doing different things for quite a while. And so I kind of settled into working on our scripture plus mobile app for the last several years doing uh, user experience design and running their social media accounts and then most recently I'm over marketing and communications and so that's what I do Um, scripture central in general as you alluded to um, started off in 2015 as book of Mormon central because we really wanted a place where we could 
talk about the Book of Mormon and explain the Book of Mormon in a historical context and make sure that we were doing justice to the Book of Mormon. When it comes to conversations online, it is so easy to for critics to dismiss the Book of Mormon as not being historical or not uh, being made up or uh, not having evidence or there are all these problems with it. And so we really wanted to defend the Book of Mormon from a lot of those attacks in new ways. Obviously, there have there's been wonderful research done by Latter-day Saint scholars at Brigham Young University and other places. And back in the 80s and 90s, Farms was a big uh, proponent of kind of defending the Book of Mormon in scholarship. But now that we are decades later, the ways that people consume content is so different. I mean, you've got a yeah. podcast because you understand that. And social media and YouTube has totally changed the landscape for how people consume information. And I mean, even... Google, in some ways, we've transcended Google for decades now. People find their information by just Googling it. Now, Gen Z, at least, there's some preliminary data to suggest that when they have a question, they don't even turn to Google. They turn to TikTok and they ask their yeah. question there in the search engine to find answers to their questions. So the landscape's constantly changing for where people are going for information. So at Book of Mormon Central in 2015, before TikTok even existed, we just wanted to take some of the great scholarship that's been done by these faithful Latter-day Saint scholars and repackage it in more web-friendly ways. We started off um, with what we call no-wise. These are just short articles that summarize a piece of Book of Mormon scholarship or an evidence for the Book of Mormon and talk about why it's important to your life, why um, it should have meaning, how to apply it in your life. And we started off doing that and that kind of uh, became the basis for us moving into video content later on to create videos about some of these Book of Mormon evidences or to do Sunday school lessons that help you prepare for the Come Follow Me curriculum. And so we've generally, or over the last few years, we've expanded a lot. Now we do the Doctrine and Covenants, we do the Bible and uh, the Pearl of Great Price. And we're doing a lot more on social media with TikTok and with Instagram. And we're trying to find ways to share information about the scriptures and most specifically about defending the scriptures from critical attacks on these platforms where the conversations are happening. Our youth are getting their temple prep on TikTok because they see um, anti-Mormons or people who have left the church doing exposés about temple ordinances on there. And our teens and our young adults are seeing all of that before they're seeing positive content about what happens in the temple. And the same thing goes for a lot of these um, issues that people have with scripture, with the historicity of the Book of Mormon, or whether um, what's going on with the translation of the Book of Abraham. And so we're trying slowly but surely to take all of the great scholarship and condense it down into little sound bites, little new packages that can help people understand what's going on, where they're consuming that content, whether they're scrolling on TikTok or whether they're scrolling their Instagram or Facebook feed or whether they like listening to podcasts. We hope there's something for everyone to try to understand this information better and have help when they have questions and are struggling. So that's uh, kind of just an overview of what we do. And that's fantastic. And I think it's so, so important. I think uh, I think we underestimate the importance of being proactively involved in these different platforms. So like, like you said, uh, as I watch my own kids or the, the youth in my ward, um, 
for, when, if I have a free minute, right, we all, I've been trying to, to encourage them that if you have a free minute, we, we all kind of turn to our phone automatically. Okay, I'm standing in line. I'm going to be here for 10 minutes or five minutes. What should I do? I'll check something on my phone. And, uh, and I've been trying to tell everyone, okay, if you're going to do that, that's fine. Make the first thing you do something positive or something uplifting or something. But, but typically what I see them all go to first is TikTok now. And it's, it's been different, you know, a couple of years ago with something else, it'll be something else in the future. But right now that age, they're all going to TikTok. And, uh, at least my understanding, a little bit of the, the psychology behind TikTok and why it's so successful, uh, and I don't want to get too into this, but our brains are designed to protect us, right? So they, the first thing you're, they're going to recognize is fear, things that are dangerous and fear. And so they kind of will, will glom onto that, that negative a little bit more quickly. And the people who create the search engines and, and uh, what will, not just the search engines, but like on TikTok, where it's recognizing what you are doing and putting it out there, they know if they can have a little bit of negativity or a little bit of fear or something along those, it gets, it's actually more addicting. It psychologically and chemically it's more addicting. So our youth are going to encounter a lot of negative stuff on TikTok if we're not flooding it with power, uh, positive stuff, right? It's just natural that that's going to happen. And I, I think you're right. Like I, I am, I just, I'm not a TikTok guy, uh, but, but I need to become that. In fact, that's part of why we've been uh, trying to expand and do some fundraising and things ourselves because we've uh, come to recognize that, I can reach uh, a certain audience on Facebook and uh, on a podcast that is probably not the audience that needs it the most. Uh, but it takes uh, a bit of time to produce things like you do. And you're the you're the queen of this. Uh, I think everyone knows that, that J Jasmine just puts out such fantastic stuff on so many platforms. But uh, it takes some work to well, get we, stuff we out on TikTok. It's a mess. But, <laughs> but you're absolutely yeah. right. When it comes to... Uh, how these algorithms work when it comes to TikTok, especially um, the people who create these platforms are smart. Their goal is to keep you on the platform as long as possible. And so right. as soon as they understand what your interest is, they're going to start feeding you more of that content. But they also know to keep you on the app longer, they need to feed you increasingly sensational or controversial yep. or clickbaity sort of content. So if you linger a second on a video by a Latter-day Saint creator and you kind of linger there before you scroll or if you watch the whole thing, TikTok knows, oh, maybe this user is a Latter-day Saint. Maybe I should feed them more Latter-day Saint content. And as they feed you more controversial, sensational, clickbaity stuff, more often than not, that means it's going to be negative Latter-day Saint content or people coming from people who have left the church or people who consider themselves anti-Mormon. And so they're getting a lot more of that because it is so much more addictive, as you said, and it's going to create people who just have a very negative perception of the church instead of some of the great content that's out there. It is so much harder to create wholesome, uh, positive content that's sticky because people thrive off of things that are entertaining, things that are controversial, things that are just, you know, breaking news sort of stuff. And so at Scripture Central, we're trying our best to experiment and test and see how can we flood the internet in these various platforms with positive content about the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, about the scriptures, about how they are defensible. And we have a leg to stand on when it comes to our truth claims and our beliefs. Um, but it's always a work in progress. We're always trying to figure out what works and what doesn't work. We try things and it fails and we're like, well, let's not do that. Let's try maybe something a little like this. Let's experiment. And so it's really exciting that we get to kind of dive in in this new 
TikTok space specifically. And like you said, in a few years, it'll be something else and try to figure out how can we be a positive influence for the church? And the church itself does not have a presence currently on TikTok. They're on all sorts of other social media platforms like Facebook and Instagram, but at least for the time being, they've chosen not to be on TikTok. And so the representation there has to come from everyday members of the church, like you, like me, like anyone else to kind of share their voice and say, I believe in this church. I love this yeah. church. And this is why I believe. And this is why I love it. So, yeah. Uh, that's good. And I, I'm, I'm working. My, my producer's trying to get me to create. I'm just a slow guy, but anyway, uh, where can I get on TikTok? But I am so grateful that you are there and all the other places you are. It's, it's powerful. And, and I had, uh, uh, someone who understands uh, how social media works better than I suggest for me and for any parent with children to get on whatever it is your children are on, whether it's TikTok or whatever else, but but probably they're on TikTok, um, uh, to get on and watch positive LDS content with them for the very reasons you were talking about. If you If they are spending time, if you're helping them spend time on positive LDS stuff, then the the search engines or the the uh, the engines that start popping up things in front of them will, like you said, notice. Okay, they're interested in this, and we'll start putting more of that on there. And so we can help our kids see positive things by spending a little time with them on there and, and seeing the stuff. And I don't know of anyone who's putting out more stuff than uh, than Scripture Central. So I would suggest to everyone get on with your child and watch some Scripture st- Central stuff on TikTok and and teach TikTok that that's where your child wants to go. That's actually a really great suggestion as far as, you know, parent child with your social media interactions, not just because it'll tell the algorithms what you're actually interested in, but I imagine it provides some opportunities for conversations that you may not have had otherwise with your kids. So often when it comes to challenges and struggles for faith, the enemy isn't necessarily doubt, but silence. If we're not talking to our kids about these issues, if we're not opening the door to have those conversations, then they're going to turn elsewhere. But if you can kind of show that you want to do that with them, you want to be with them on their journey, then having that open communication can be so influential in helping someone understand that there's a place for them in the church and that we don't shy away from questions and that they're welcome to, you know, ask and talk about it and work through this stuff with a parent or with someone they trust who has gone through it as well. So I think that's, I had never thought of that before, but I love it. Yeah. And I think if you meet them where they're at, they're more likely to have questions. If you say, come look at this flannel board presentation with me, uh, they're, they're unlikely to get too into it. But if you say, okay, this is what you're interested in. Let's do this together. And you can also like open a TikTok account yourself. I, I say that I haven't done it yet, but I am about to do it anyway. And find search for that stuff and then share it with your child and that will help them start seeing it and say hey let's talk about this or whatever but it will help get that going on their stuff and and open up conversations like you said we need we're a home-centered church and uh we need this stuff to be happening at home and and i think you guys help with that so thank you for that oh that's a fantastic parenting suggestion i remember when i was a kid my parents would like try to watch TV with us as much as they could when we wanted yeah. to watch TV. So then like whatever we were watching and we're interested in, you know, they'd moralize about it or like if so-and-so had just talked to their parents or if so-and-so <laughs> had just been honest, you know, and at the time, of course we rolled our eyes, but I, I reflect now at how influential that was that there was constant reinforcement of those strong values 
that always reminded me, like, if I have a problem, I can talk to my parents. If I have a problem, I should be honest. If I have a problem, you know, always reinforcing these messages can be so important at such a uh, influential and malleable age that being with your kids where they're at on whatever platform they're at can just make the world of a difference. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Uh, so I'd like to ask you, Jasmine, so what, what got you personally, you've kind of given us an idea of what you do, uh, and, and why scriptural central does it, but what about Jasmine? Why do you do this? What got you into this Jasmine? Um, well, like I mentioned, I, as I was graduating BYU, I, um, was definitely trying to figure out what I wanted to do. Did I want to go into academia and become like a Carrie Mulestein and do the academic route when it comes to you mean be a, a weird, boring person? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> uh, that's all right. Um, but I also was pursuing web development. I had taken a lot of programming classes and I had some previous work experience with that. So I was kind of considering that route. And at the time, I had got connected with John W. Welch, Jack Welch, who was heading up Book of Mormon Central. And so he got me involved in this. And it was kind of a match made in heaven because it got to combine both of my passions of, um, you know, this ancient scripture and ancient history with more technical skills. And at the end of the day, I fully admit I am not necessarily a natural born researcher. I don't have necessarily these as rigorous of skills and background as our research team does. And so I stand on the shoulders of those giants so often, but I'm really passionate about the content and I'm really passionate about making it more accessible because um, as, as you know, the process of getting scholarship published has to go through peer review and through academic journals. And it can be a really slow lead or there's a really long lag time between oh, yeah. when you have an idea and when it finally sees the light of day. And usually, usually a couple of years. Yeah. And it's like a 20, 30, 40, 50 page paper that is really long that most people aren't going to consume. And so I felt really passionate about helping people go from that point A into a point where they can share it in Sunday school or where they can share it on social media. And so I've found just so much satisfaction and joy and consecration in a lot of ways in trying to connect those dots from A to B, from scholarship to something that people can consume and feel like it made an impact in their lives. So I really started getting more into the public facing social media space um, when we launched our Scripture Plus app. So this is a mobile app that I like to describe as kind of the gospel library app in the sense that you can read your scriptures on it. But in addition to just scrolling through the scriptures while you're scrolling, we simultaneously link in verse by verse commentaries and images and charts and videos. We're trying to make it a really like immersive scripture study experience, especially for the Book of Mormon. The Book of Mormon is our strong suit where we've got tons of articles and videos and commentaries on every single passage in the Book of Mormon so that you can have just, you know, a deeper scripture study. You feel like you can get in a little bit more and learn where are resources where you can find even more if you want to dive deeper. And so when we launched this app in 2019, um, we were trying to figure out how to promote it and get it out there. And so we figured, well, let's just start start some social media accounts to get the word out about the app. And so um, I was the person who just had the bandwidth to take it on at that point. And so I started just posting on uh, Instagram and Facebook. And before I knew it, there started to gain a little bit more momentum. And then TikTok really came onto my radar a few years later. And then at that point, it was like, well, if we need to, if we're going to be effective, we need to start like actually getting our face out there instead of just like posting 
quotes or images, which could only go so far, all of a sudden we were seeing a shift where people want to see a person's face and they want something really snappy and really short in like a video format on your phone. And so we figured, well, let's just try it. Let's just see what we can do. And so at that point, I just started creating like short videos that if I were to look back at them now, I'm sure I would just cringe and think they were awful <laughs> because they are. But, you know, just trying to like summarize a little scripture insight into the doctrine and covenants or into the pearl of great price. And then um, it became very clear very quickly how antagonistic TikTok was to the faith, especially back then when I started a few years ago. The landscape's changed a little bit since then. But back when I started, it really felt like the Wild West for Latter-day Saint creators because there were so few people who were faithful Latter-day Saints who were speaking out. It was overwhelmingly a majority of very, very critical creators who had left the church or had felt very strongly about, uh, you know, attacking the church. And so my comments became very filled very quickly with a lot of hate and a lot of criticism. Yeah. And um, it was kind of a little bit of a wake up call that like, oh my goodness, this is, this is really intense. And so I've got to figure out um, if this is something I really can do, or if I should do, or is this the right approach for us? How are we going to handle this? And um, very, you, you tend to develop pretty quick, uh, thick skin pretty quickly. And so I just kind of started to feel that like, this is important. This is the most important thing we can be doing because we've been building this repository of short no white articles that summarizes research from a 40 page paper to like a two page article. But we've got to now take it to the next step because this is this is where the youth are. This is where the young adults are. Yeah. This, is, this is where they're having all these questions. So then we just, I mean, I just try to dive in as, as best as I could to repackage this stuff in like a quick 60 minute summary with my face on there. And, you know, as we get, go through this process, we learn what works and what doesn't work and we adjust things and we adapt. And I feel like I've learned a ton in the process about the scholarship because all of a sudden a new issue pops up and I'm getting tons of book of Abraham comments about how, the church is totally false because the church has admitted the book of Abraham is false or whatever they might say. And so it's an incentive for me to make sure I'm brushing up on the scholarship, know what the most up-to-date research is. What has the church actually said on this, which spoiler, the book of Ab the church has not given up on the book of Abraham, as you all know. And so um, it's been a great incentive for me to learn a ton and to rely on our research team to help me understand blind spots that I may have and then to just dive in. So it's become a huge consecration for me. I feel so passionately about wanting to help people find answers to their questions because I've gone through this process and I feel like the church um, just gets better with age and there's not a single issue that I feel like is you know, a nail in the coffin for your testimony. There's always wonderful responses. There's excellent answers. If you're willing to question your assumptions, to do a little bit of extra research, yeah. to do a little bit of extra reading. So often uh, people's problem is not that they try to do research about the church, is that they don't do enough. They stop, you know, partway through once they hear the critical issues and they don't necessarily take it all the way until they realize that, okay, if I really am taking this seriously, if I really take all the evidence into account, there's a reasonable case to be made for the authenticity of the scriptures or for um, defending the church in this way. So I just, I feel like it's been rewarding spiritually and uh, it's been inspiring to see the response too, that there's a lot of thirst for this content too, especially on TikTok where it doesn't exist as much with users saying, 
you know, I, oh, I was just wondering about this and I'm only seeing negative content on my feed. Thanks so much for putting this out. And as we see more Latter-day Saint creators come on TikTok and on Instagram and all these other platforms, we're seeing a little bit of a shift in that tide. And it's just so rewarding to see. Yeah. Uh, wonderful. I mean, there's so many great things you just said. I appreciate it. And, and, uh, uh, maybe I'll just uh, also say that, that this is part of why we're trying to air these episodes right now as people get ready for studying the Book of Mormon. I love for them to hear about all the resources out there. And, and as you said, like the uh, Scriptures Plus with all of the resources you guys have created for the Book of Mormon is a fantastic place for people to be looking if they want to get more out of their Book of Mormon study. Of course, we want everyone to start in the Book of Mormon, which is what I like about that app. You start in the scriptures and you can add other things, but but stay and start in the scriptures. Um, but uh, it's a fantastic resource for people. And and uh, it might be just worth for our, our audience who may or may not know a little bit of the history of uh uh, Jack Welch and, and Scripture Central. Uh, Jack was one of the uh, original people f- helping to found um, the Foundation for Ancient Research in Mormon Studies or Farms, which had its heyday in the 80s and 90s. And I would say, and I was part of that. I worked for Farms in the the early 90s, um, uh, all the way up through uh, the early 2000s, uh, helping create the Dead Sea Scroll database project and all sorts of things like that. But um, it, it got institutionalized. It uh, became part of BYU and then eventually became the Neil A. Maxwell Institute. Um, and uh, for quite a while, its focus was Book of Mormon. But over time, it's become where that's not the focus. Uh, and it's, it's uh, developed a different focus. And right now they have a new director, a great guy, J.B. Haas. Uh, and I don't know exactly where their focus will be, but it's not in that uh, ancient world and uh the Book of Mormon that it once was. And uh, I think Jack and others said, well, okay, we still want something doing that. And so he helped to create uh, uh, then Book of Mormon, now Scripture Central, uh, with uh, some of that uh, fire that farms uh, once had. And uh, it's it's wonderful to see that happening and going. I'm so happy about that. Interpretive Foundation does a little bit of the same thing. Um, again, we're just trying to throw out resources for everyone. But I am so glad that uh, that people are continuing to help us have uh, all those resources available. Um, Maybe I can just uh, ask a final question, Jasmine. And in some ways you already answered this as you were just talking about um, what you do and why you do it, but how has uh, what you're doing made the scriptures real for you? Oh, it's, it's made it real for me because the more I've learned about the scriptures, the more I can conceptualize what was really taking place. The more I've learned, especially about its historical context, it usually changes the picture for you. When you grow up with Arnold Freeberg depictions of what <laughs> Nephi looks like and what Abinadi looks like, and you know they're very influenced by like neoclassical artistic motifs. And so you're seeing like a lot of Greek and Roman imagery there. And then all of a sudden you start learning more about a possible ancient American setting for the Book of Mormon and what they might be referring to when they talk about judges, when they talk about chariots, when they talk about all of these things that you have an immediate image for in your mind. And then you learn, oh, wait, maybe that's a different picture. All of a sudden um, it becomes a little foreign. It's not like the living scriptures or the Arnold Freeberg I thought it was, but instead, instead of being this like mythical, um, idealized version of these Book of Mormon heroes, all of a sudden they become very real people. They were interacting in a very mundane everyday world that was 
an ancient American world. And so you see, you, you just see their humanity more all of yeah. a sudden. And I can kind of put myself in their shoes a little bit more about what so-and-so may have been thinking when they wrote this passage, when I understand that like, this is the milieu they were operating in. This is the worldview. Like I just, one example is uh, that I love is in King Benjamin's speech. He's talking a lot about the blood of uh, Jesus Christ and how this future Messiah is going to bleed from every pore in Mosiah chapter three. And there's a lot about, the significance of his blood and in my mind initially growing up i think more of just like those beautiful harry anderson paintings of christ praying in gethsemane and just something more pastoral but when you understand if you for example take the book of mormon in the mesoamerican milieu um in that culture bloodletting was part of uh, their ritual milieu and bloodletting was something that a king would do to kind of connect heaven and earth, to be a sacrifice for the gods and open up the conduits of heaven. And we're not saying that, you know, King Benjamin was maybe participating in bloodletting, but certainly their neighbors were. And so when King Benjamin is talking about this Messiah who's going to bleed, um, he knows that the context for his people and what they're watching all their neighbors doing is they're seeing mortal kings sacrifice their blood to open up the conduits of heaven and earth and to bring, you know, blessings on their people and to offer sacrifice. But this future Messiah, he's going to be the true king. And he's not just going to bloodlet a little bit. He's going to bleed from every single poor. He's going to uh, absolutely give it all. And because he is the son of God and just, and there's obviously more to that image, but it really completely changes my understanding of what I thought that scene was and brings up new questions, brings up more um desire to learn more about that context and to see okay how does this now change my image of this book of mormon story and um it makes it so much more alive for me i just love it i feel like there's the scriptures are um they have unfathomable depths you're never going to hit the bottom of what you can learn from the scriptures there's always something new to learn there's always another layer you can discover there's always a new insight that might stand out to you the more you dive in and so it's just been such a joy to to explore that more in my work here amen uh, amen amen i i'm the same way when i start to see how real these people are i i it just because it, that that allows me to see how they're like me, and then I can apply what they're learning to my life more. And I and I love what you're saying about that depth, right? Uh, just as an example, last last weekend I hosted a little workshop on the Book of Mormon where there was a group of about twenty of us that were just exploring some things, and I'd said, okay, let's let's spend like an hour and a half or so on uh, just kind of getting into Nephi's vision, Lehi and Nephi's vision, right? Which would be in, in my mind, you've got to do First Nephi 8 through uh, 10, really, and then 11 through 14. And in that hour and a half, we got partway through chapter 8, and that was about as far as we could get in in uh, an hour and a half, right? I mean, that I think we could probably spend 20 hours on Nephi's vision and not have plumbed the depths of it. So uh, there's a lot of wonderful, rich depth in there. So thank you for what you do, Jasmine. Thank you. Uh, any final oh, likewise. thoughts? Thank you for all the work you're doing on your podcast and at BYU as well. I mean, we just, at Scripture Central, we look 
to you and your scholarship as just such a wealth of resource for us when we're tackling the Book of Abraham. And you worked with us partly when we were doing a Pearl of Great Price Central. We were yeah. trying to create some essays on Book of Abraham issues that people struggle with. And you, along with uh, John Thompson and John Gee and Stephen Smoot, kind of collaborated and helped us to create a lot of that yeah. helpful resource that I use all the time. And you oh. recently kind of published a version of that in BYU Studies, which is kind of now my go-to. When people ask about the Book of Abraham, I'm like, this BYU Studies volume is kind of your go-to place. It's got so many great answers, very short, very concise, but very, very helpful. And uh, the Book of Abraham is one that critics attack mercilessly <laughs> more yeah. than almost any other point when it comes to the church's truth claims. And uh, I'm just so grateful that that's now an available resource for people. Uh, I am too, and I'm I'm grateful that you guys helped us do that. Uh, and you're right; like I, I'm always amazed at how people keep recycling the same bad arguments or the arguments that we've answered, and so on. They just keep recycling; them. they keep catching people by surprise. And I'm like, well, we've already done this, but uh, but part yeah, of that is no, because there hasn't been that online presence that you helped us create. So I'm grateful for that. Yeah, no, that's exactly it. When it comes to these arguments, most of them aren't new. And so it can be so easy to kind of put our guard down and say like, yeah, we've already addressed this before. There's nothing new here. But the platforms are new and the people yeah. are new. We've got younger audiences who have never heard this before. And so I am just so passionate of taking these old arguments, but also some new arguments that have been repackaged, like this new BYU studies issue to help people understand that, yes, there are answers to questions. You may not have heard of them before because you've been on TikTok instead of in like the archives of the BYU library, but they're there. <laughs> right. Here's where you can find them. And here are some great answers. And so there's always a perpetual need to defend the historicity of scripture. There's a perpetual need to defend the church of Jesus Christ. Even if we feel like we've done that, been there, done that, there's always a new need to help a new generation understand in their own language, in their own platforms. Yeah. Amen. Amen. So, yeah. And, and that's what I love. Like you said, uh, so I'd say like, if you, if you have someone who wants to understand kind of the underlying stuff and in a short, but pretty dense way, then, then my book, let's talk about the book of Abraham would be helpful. But if you want people, and I think most youth and young single adults want little teeny bite-sized chunks then that, that BYU studies book, which has a whole bunch of just small chapters is great. And, but probably the gateway for most of them is going to be Pearl of Great Price uh, Central, which is part of Scripture Central, where they can find those those same things with some little videos or very short online things, and that's what they're used to. And then I think you could lead them from that to the other and then to the other and so on, and hopefully also into the Book of Abraham. But that's just an idea of the kind of thing you do and how you, you make it available for people. So thank you so much, Jasmine. Uh, we're grateful for what you're doing. I hope that this is helpful for my audience to learn more about the resources out there, either for yourself, or maybe this is for your kids or your grandkids or your nephews and nieces or whatever else, uh, uh, spread the word about, uh, scripture central, uh, and, uh, you can do it via sharing on TikTok, like we talked about, or family home evening or whatever it is, however you do your thing. Um, and spread the word about uh, our podcast. We hope you'll, uh, you know, share, like, download, review, rate, all those things, but uh, help other people know about uh, what we're doing, about what uh, Jasmine and the folks at Scripture Central are doing. And we'll just let you know um, next week. I know I, I said this would be happening last week. I said this would be happening next week, but I forgot we have the Christmas episode in between. So next week. Uh, we'll hear from uh, Nick Frederick about uh, the ending of the book of Revelation. Uh, so tune into the podcast for next week. And we'll also have uh, another episode 
uh, letting you know about more resources to understand the scriptures. So uh, thank you, Jasmine, and thanks to our audience.